In the uh, book of Romans, we oftentimes uh, read this passage of Scripture. Uh, just to you know uh, a few things. Um, we go in chapter, chapter 10, verses 5 through 15 today. And uh, yes, I'm going to read it from my Kindle, okay? All right. There you go, all you electronic people out there. Um, <clears throat> figured out, I, 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 our denomination's conference this last week, general conference, and talking to other young pastors, you know, about who use all this stuff, you know. I said, so do you preach from your Kindle? Because yeah, I do. How do you get your sermon notes on there? He said, well, I email them to myself. Oh, yeah. So I figured that out. Okay, so I learned something this week. Um, anyways, so I email my sermon notes to my, but you know what? Just in case something happens, I don't trust it. I print them out, okay? I just, you know, you, you never know. The one time I don't print them out, something will happen here, and I won't have them to read, right? Uh, knowing and confess. We talk about knowing Jesus, and always great to see you guys. I've seen a while, you know, all you people. Last week as we were out in Kentucky, I, I tell you, all kinds of neat things happened. One of the neatest things that happened was all the people I saw that I haven't seen in years. Uh, for instance, uh, Ruth Pearson was the nurse at the boarding school where I went in Africa. Right, now, she was Ruth Myring then, so I'm talking to her. I haven't seen her since I was like six, all right? And she's like calling me, hi, Glenn, this and that. And, and I'm Aunt Ruth. Oh, and, but, then, but it was Ruth Myring then when she said her maiden name. Oh, I figured it out. But I felt so bad I didn't remember her name. Um, but once she said the right name, I remembered it. So, you know, I don't know about you, but getting old, this whole thing about remembering names is kind of challenging. So you go around and say, I know that person, but I don't know their name, you know? Uh, ha happened a lot last week. Uh, so anyways, it was neat. But one of the neat things was I went to a restaurant last week. It was West African Grill. Anyone ever been to a West African Grill? And guess what I had for me? Close. <laughs> nah, goat is right. Goat. You read on Facebook. All right, yeah, cheater. All right. It's not bad. It's kind of like tame venzin. That's what I call it, all right? It's not bad. Uh, and we uh, had goat. And, and, as, and, and to see all the things that are going on around the world, the uh, national church, just our denomination, and see how the gospel is going to where I want to talk about. I want to think about it. We may be a small Wesleyan church in upstate New York in one of the smallest districts of our denomination, okay? But we are connected to the world, and I want to share that with you. And this verse talks about that. We are, we are part of hundreds of people coming to know Christ in the last year. And I want you to be encouraged by that. Uh, we are not insignificant. Um, I was sharing with, uh, uh, with uh, Mr. Wiggins, who was one of the teachers, Bible school teachers in Sierra Leone. And he was talking about going back to Sierra Leone after, the, after they'd had this, this, this big uprising. The rebels had destroyed a lot of stuff. And he went to the house where he used to live and it had been destroyed by the, by the war. He went to the Bible school where he used to teach and it had been destroyed by the war. He went to the national headquarters, and they just got it back from the, from the, uh, the, the UN soldiers. And he, he said all this destruction, and he had gone to uh, Kamakui, where's a hospital, to, to do a presentation where they heard that the president of, of Sierra Leone was going to be there, and he had, he had grown up Wesleyan, and he was going to present him with a Bible engraved and all this. And he was disappointed because he found out the last minute he wasn't going to be there. And so as he shared the story, he said, I went through and I, I, I he, he thank God for the people who are there, people who used to teach their children were now leaders in the church, you know, and it's been many years. And, and he said, 
at the, at the end of his presentation, he said, I was dis- I'm only disappointed with one thing, though, is that the president couldn't be here. I want to give him this Bible. So well, we can arrange that. So they had this, they were supposed to, like, the last day, what you, like, you, do, you go out and you go shopping, you know, and you go to the open-air markets and you walk by the, the bunga, which is the dried, smelly fish, you know, and, and all the things are out there. And people try and they barter with, you know what I'm talking about, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And, and they were going to take all this, this group and his team shopping. Well, he got a knock on the door. They had like till, till noon to shop. Then they're going back to Freetown to fly out. And he, uh, he got a knock on the door at 7 in the morning. and says, you have an audience with the president at noon today. So forget the shopping. They all went to see the president. He said, the problem was this. He says, I had given away my only shirt and tie and suit jacket. Because that's what you do a lot of times. You give them to someone who could use them over there. I had nothing to wear. So we started scrounging around trying to find some decent clothes to wear. We went into the presidential palace there in Sierra Leone in Freetown. And they brought us in and sat us down like dignitaries. And all the news cameras came out. And they all this, this big press uh, core, as big as it would be in the third world country. You know, probably the only camera in the country, right? And they're out there. And the president came in. And he said this. He said, I want you missionaries to know I was born in your hospital. I was raised in your school. And I found Jesus Christ in your church. And I'm a Christian today. All the work you did over the years was worth it. You have significance. And I thought about those WKFM offerings, you know, those, those changes at the end of the back of the church on the way out, we put a couple bucks in there, or maybe 20 cents, whatever you cheap people put in there, right? You know, all that stuff. It all went into some place, and, and hundreds of churches, 1,700 Wesleyan churches in the United States, put all their money together and started the mission in Freetown and, and in Sierra Leone, and up, not Freetown, but upstate, up country in Sierra Leone, and began a, a, a movement which now is impacting a whole nation of Sierra Leone as their president is one of us. Nothing you do is insignificant when you do it for the Lord. Well, the problem with this thing, I have to keep turning it back on, you know? So that's, that's one thing. Let me think about this. It says in, in, in Romans chapter 10 that salvation is for everyone. It's for the Sierra Leonean. It's for the biker. It's for the exotic dancer trying to get out of the industry that my daughter's working with. It's for that kid taking their SAT next to you, you know? It's for that, that sick person with a runny nose that comes into the doctor's office, right? It's for that person who's grumpy when they go through the line ahead of you and give the, give the poor person a hard time, you know, because they didn't count their change back. It's whoever. The gospel's for them in their worst days. It's for everyone. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't, and, and, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is, is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him? 
to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. God, just bless your word to our hearts. Be a catalyst within us to spread this word to the world, to our family, to our friends, to the people we work with, to the world, Lord, through the little things we do through the church. Help us get a big picture and realize our significance in this plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Knowing and confessing. Let me just say as a disclaimer, last week I was really off my game when I said two things. I said next week was Father's Day and it was not. Well, I'll say it again. Next week is Father's Day, all right? I just a week ago. Secondly, I said there's no month that starts with an F. Yes, there is. It's February, all right? So now I'm corrected. I was not on my game. Hopefully I am uh, ready to go today. Uh, knowing and confessing. We've been talking about knowing Jesus. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Wow. I mean, we know God, but do we know the power of his resurrection? And I think about, I, I can't help but think about the, the stories which shaped my life as a missionary's kid about people who never heard of the name Jesus before hearing it for the first time. And the power of the name of Jesus that has just gone through that nation of, of, of Sierra Leone and just transformed even the political climate there. Confessing is part of knowing. To really know. Because we talked, it talks about in James how that the, the demons know who Jesus is. In fact, they would shout out a lot of times when Jesus walked on earth, wouldn't they? they? They'd say, Jesus, son of David, whatever. They'd say all kinds of stuff. And they'd yell out who he was. We know who you are. And Jesus would quiet them down. It says in James that the demons, demons believe in God, but, they, but, but what good is that? They shudder even. But they aren't going to be saved. Scripture tells me they're, 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 uh, their future has uh, already uh, been decided. Their doom is sealed and there's a place prepared for them called the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels so 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 you know in case you're wondering don't be praying for the devil to be redeemed okay it's over with for him and because it's over with for him he is doing everything he can to bring as many people down with him as possible and he doesn't play fair so keep that in mind and he never takes a day off by the way so we really can't either but that, with that in mind, think about this. That they can confess, they can, they can know who God is, but they cannot confess Jesus as Lord in this life. And we'll talk about that a little more. Therefore, they cannot be saved. But we can, if we understand what it means, to really confess uh, Jesus Christ. And this verse is, it uses the word confess. The word to confess means to subscribe to or to agree with. And so, first of all, confessing is subscribing to and agreeing with the message of the gospel. That is the good news. And that's three things there. It means, first of all, we need to admit that we need salvation. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of God's glory. Isaiah 53.6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity of all, of all of us upon him. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, in other words, we admit, if we acknowledge that we are a sinner, uh, uh, he was faithful and he is righteous or just to, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all right unrighteousness, to make us completely new and clean and fresh and alive. If we confess, it's so important for us to admit our need. Now, the problem is many people today do not realize, think they need anything of this like this they don't need salvation because they don't I don't need to be saved because they think they are saving themselves and eventually they realize they need 
salvation. They, everyone will need, they need salvation. I hope and pray for their sake, they will realize it and admit it before they die. Because after they die, it won't do any good to admit it. Because the Bible says every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord. But I'll get to that in a moment. So if we, if we think about this passage here, it says we need salvation. But also, we, we say, how do we get salvation? Well, one way to try and get salvation is to try to earn it. And this is what this passage says here. Should we, uh, should we, someone, no one should say, how can we get to God type thing. Don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven? How do I get to God? There's nothing I can do to bridge the gap between me and God. I heard it said the other day, it was, it was really profound, that sometimes we have a hard time relating to Jesus Christ because Jesus is so perfect and he never sinned. He never gave in to temptation. He never lost his temper driving in traffic, you know? He never had to deal with a nagging wife, you might say, right? You know? He never had to deal with kids. Uh, yes, he did, right? The Bible says he's tempted in all ways as we are and never sinned. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to relate to someone like that. And because he's so perfect, we could never get into his audience. We would never uh, be able to be in his presence. So he did the exact, he, he did what needed to be done. He came to us and he related to us by dealing with all of this stuff and taking all the temptation, not sinning, and taking all of our sins as if he had done those sins himself and dying on the cross. We have a hard time relating to him, but he, thank God, relates to us. I'm thankful a lot, a lot of the Bible then, therefore, it's mostly written by people like you and I who messed up too. But by his grace, they were saved and transformed by his Holy Spirit's dwelling in their life. But all of our good works are not good enough to get us to heaven. So we can admit that we need salvation, but we can't earn our salvation. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. And you know the verses. We quote them all the time, you know. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us by washing the regeneration and renewing the Holy Ghost, Titus 3, 5 says. The other thing is interesting. This passage says, you know, no one should say, you know, how can I... Uh, we will go up to heaven. The next verse says, verse 7, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In other words, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no spiritual thing you can do, other spiritual being that can save us, so to speak. It's like, you don't need to call up John Edwards to get him to talk to the dead, all right? That won't help you either. You say, well, Jesus died on the cross, so he must be in the grave and all this stuff. And people who believe he's dead are spending a lot of time trying to channel someone who's dead. That will not save you. And so it's, 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 it's not the way that, that Oprah might present it all the time, all right? And she, of course, she'll present all sides of the story, of course. You know how she is. Our good works are not enough. Says our, and our, our uh, other spiritual beings cannot save us. The fact that matters in Romans 10, 9 says, only Jesus can save us. Confess your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Acts 4, 12 says, there is no other name, no other name but Jesus given among men by which we must be saved. Only through confessing Jesus can I really, truly be saved. Now, with that in mind, you think back to the early church, they realized how important that was, and they, they began to put together what's something we call the Apostles' Creed. And, and it, it really sums up what we confess is our faith in this whole finished work of Jesus Christ. Christ. We admit our sins. We, admit we can only be saved through Jesus. And we, admit, and we confess him as our Lord. And we do it publicly. And let's, let's do that right now. 
Let's, let's do the, uh, the Apostles' Creed. I believe it's the next slide on there. There it is. Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell the third day. He arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Now I believe in the Holy Spirit, the universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That is our confession as a church. Every Christian church can make that confession. If they can't make that confession, they're a cult. Bottom line. Now, I changed the word from Catholic to universal because Catholic means universal. It's just a transliteration because some of you people who may be more Protestant than others <laughs> may not like that word, okay? I'm not really a Protestant. I was brought up Wesleyan, all right? We left the Anglican church, okay? Who well, I guess left the, left the Catholic church. We're like, you know, I'm not, but others who may have a hard time with that word Catholic, oh, we took it out of there. But it means universal. It's a good word, by the way. Now, we make that profession of faith. In fact, uh, we, uh, in the early service, which we, we've suspended until August, we, we say that almost every week. Sometimes we use the Nicene Creed. It's about, it's about 10 times as long, but we, we use that one as well, you know. Because to, to say this is our confession of what we believe. Second thing, confessing then is not just believing something yourself. It has to go public. Confessing is sharing. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people go public with their faith. You see it, you know. Marty goes public with his faith, with his motorcycle, and his, and his you know, all his, his, his uh, stuff he's got on there, you know, and that's why someone who's a chaplain. And that's, that's, that gave him the opportunity, as he shared early, to share his faith and to pray with someone because he went public with his faith. You know, we wear t-shirts or we wear shirts to say our church's name on them, whatever. But, you know, it's more than just that. You've got to have a life that matches that, too. Confessing is sharing. It's sharing these things. Well, the message of the gospel is what we share. First of all, we want to remember we need to share it with all. Salvation is for all who believe, it says in this passage. We should share salvation with all through our lives and by being a light. Verse 13, it says here that uh, we are, in verse 13, it says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There are a lot of people who don't know who to call upon. That's the problem. But it is for everyone. So we need to share it with all. I, I, I believe as a believer, not only should I have a personal responsibility to share my faith with the ones closest to me, they need to see me and they help me grow in my faith and they challenge me and they hold me accountable when I mess up, all right, because they want me to grow, not just as a competition to see who's more spiritual in the life. You know, like, you know, so you can win more arguments if you're more spiritual, right? That doesn't work that way, does it? No. No, that's not the reason why we do that, because we want to be like Jesus. So as we, as we, 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 want, we want to grow and share it with those close to us, we also want to share it with those we, we, we work with, but we have a responsibility to share the gospel with the whole world with people who don't speak the same language as us, with people who don't live in the same country, people who have different political views than us. We want to share it with all. Sharing. Also, we share it out loud. 
Believing comes after hearing, it says in verse 14. So therefore, someone must speak it out loud. We shared the gospel out loud. God gave us ears, and most of us uh, are able to hear, right? Uh, and if we can't, well, we'll use sign language. If that doesn't work, then we'll use something else. But the idea is hearing with your heart takes someone proclaiming the message of the good news that Jesus saves. So it means sharing it out loud, and it also means sharing it personally. Hearing comes from individual preachers, it says in verse 14. A preacher without a preacher, which is the proclamation of the euangelion, the good news of gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Personally sharing it. But not only that, we share it corporately with others. We partner together to share the gospel. Here's some ways we do that. When we say we're having vacation Bible school in July, we want to all be inviting people and children to vacation Bible school. We should all participate in praying for vacation Bible school. We should all participate with our gifts and abilities with vacation Bible school as much as we possibly can. And we should, and we should make it a co corporate effort to share the good news every night. Every, every, and throughout the month of July, this will be our focus, with people in our community, we share with them. We share them as a team. Corporately, we work together. Collectively, we work together. When we say we're going to have a big event, say like this fall, we're we have two different things coming up in, in, in the month of September. We're going to have a back to church Sunday in September. And we're going to invite everyone that's on our list. There's like 380 people in, on our church list who come here over the year's time. What if they all came one Sunday, right? What if half of them came one Sunday, all right? Back to church Sunday. And we all work collectively to make it a big event. And while we're doing it, we invite people to come back to church who haven't been to church in years that aren't affiliated with our church. People in our neighborhood, people in our community, people at work, they haven't been to church in a while. This is the Sunday to go to church. I heard talk about the church like we'll hand out like hard hats for those people who think that the, the church will cave in if they walked into it, right? You know? The no excuse Sunday type idea, right? So we have an event together. We work together to collectively share the gospel. And then we'll follow that with the next week having a, a guest come in who will do a, uh, an interpretive, what do you call it? Um, he'll be Barnabas. Someone says that means he's going to murder someone? No, hopefully he's already murdered someone and he's coming to tell a story, all right? And Barnabas will be here the Sunday after that. And so we do collective things together so we can share the gospel. But we also collectively work with our district to work, as we did last year, with the, the project in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo using the Je Jesus Film Project. And with other missionaries we work. Do you realize this? The Jesus Film Project, how powerful it is? The Jesus Film Project, uh, they say that if you, if you give $10, there it is, $10, sorry, $10 for the Jesus film. For every $10, I know you, I know you guys know this because they do it through CMA too. The $10 will get the film show to on average 25 people who watch that film who don't know anything about Jesus or they know something about it's not right. Kind of like Americans, right? We got an idea about Jesus, but no one really knows him. 25 people watch the film and of those 25 people, 10 of them will receive Christ. Well, that tells me that $10 is worth 10 souls. And last year, we raised $500. And so $500 means 500 souls, folks. And as we scratched and we scrimped at $500 together with our weak, puny budget, don't tell me that our church is insignificant. We collectively work together and partner to change the world and get the gospel out there. And those 500 people represent about five churches. 
that continue to teach and preach the gospel and make an impact in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. In fact, our district is the first district to adopt that particular country, that war-torn country. You know, it's a place where the gorillas hang out, right? More kinds of gorillas than we might admit, not just the animals, all right? We share it collectively. We work together to reach our world. You know, it's interesting. You look at the study of fishing in the Bible. They didn't use a fish line and a worm. I know most of us fish with a worm. How many fish with a worm? That's gross. I want to tell you. You know, just, you know what I mean? I use spinners, okay? I, I just, something's clean. I have to keep those worms in my car, you know? One time my dad took some worms home and put them in the refrigerator to keep them. You know, you keep the refrigerator at home. They, they last longer, right? And my mom put some squash in there next to it. And it pushed the lid up off of the squash, off the, off the worms, and they crawled into the squash and had a nice meal. We didn't eat any more squash. Anyways, fishing in the Bible is not like that. I love the fish. But the fishing in the Bible, was they use a net. And a group of guys like Peter, James, and John, and Andrew would take a boat like they did in Sierra Leone, and they go out with that net, and they pull it out in a big... A big circle and come back into the shore and then a whole bunch of people and I used to help do this would get out on the beach and they pull that net back in and the closer you got the more you start to feel all those fish in there they start to shake and you pull it up onto the shore and hundreds and hundreds of fish were caught together where they put them on top of their heads in these bowls and take them to the market sometimes they clean them you know it just the idea is working together brings a greater catch of fish and though we didn't realize it, we helped last year do that. And we're going to help this year. And we raised money through our, our uh, yard sale giveaway. 400 some dollars went to Nicaragua to help in the ministry down there. And we raised money to do the Jesus film again this year, whatever we do. And when you do things through CMA and do things through other organizations that we never even see, God sees it. And he'll reward you for it. It may have been a dollar. It may have been a thousand. But whatever it was, we worked collectively to see that. To share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Third thing about confessing. And this is the bottom line. Confessing is surrendering. Really, it's surrendering. It's more than just knowing about Jesus. It's standing up and affiliating with him. It's more than just doing that. It's sharing it. It's actively being involved in the spreading of the gospel worldwide, locally and globally. But also, confessing means surrendering. Here's our problem. We do not surrender. We just make commitments. You know? And a commitment is tied to my ability and my control. But surrender gives up my control. And gives it all to God. The Bible says, as sure as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Romans 14, 11. That means that someday Hitler and all the evil things he did will be bowing before God and singing his praises. That's kind of a funny scene, isn't it? In your mind? Picture that. That means that the worst worst drug dealer and pusher and, 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 the, and the person who is, who is uh, you think is the worst thing in your mind. You know, it could have been, could be the pitcher from the opposing baseball team. I don't know what it was. Whatever. They're all going to confess Jesus, right? Every demon, the devil himself, will be forced to bow before our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
but they will not be able to enter into eternity in glory with him. They will go to eternal punishment. So everyone is going to bow. Only those, and everyone's going to surrender to God, but only those who surrender now and praise him now will live forever with him in his kingdom. They say the reason why people, you know, I'm not into, I'm, I, people used to think I was a Pentecostal, but, you know, whatever. But I, I'm not in, I'm, whatever. There's always these, like, people give lessons how you should raise your hands in church type thing, you know. And uh, I, it's kind of fun. I, you want to see good funny video, look up Tim Hawkins on how to raise, you know, you got the, you know, the football, you know, whatever. Anyways, you know, touchdown. The, the thing is, is the best illustration I heard about why people raise their hands when they worship is, is, is if you're standing in a store and someone comes in with a gun and they say, this is a stick-up. They wouldn't say that, whatever. They just hold a gun out. What do you do? You put your hands up. It means I surrender. And the reason why a lot of us don't really surrender to God, because we do not respect him. I respect a 45 or a 38 or a 22 for that matter, okay? But more so, I surrender to God. I should surrender to God because he's more powerful than any weapon known to man. We surrender to God. It's, that's what confessing really is. We talk about the ABCs. Admit, believe, confess. And we use this verse, don't we? We've talked about that today. I believe in Jesus. I, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess him. It means I surrender for it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you confess and are saved. You know, I, I could say, yeah, some of us maybe need to give our hearts to Jesus for the first time. Most of us need to say, I need to surrender to God. If I really confess him, I need to be surrendered to him. Let's stand together and have the musicians come. Lord, accept our offerings and our gifts to you in a moment. But Lord, more than that, help us to be surrendered to you. I pray for a people that will recognize their significance in sharing the gospel with the world and with their local community. I, rec I pray, Lord, for people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and are willing to confess Jesus as Lord. I pray, Lord, for opportunities like Marty had for all of us this week to confess our faith and to pray for people and to impact our world. I pray, God, for this church to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. For us as individuals to experience, I pray that collectively and corporately we will do our job and do it with joy because we're surrendered to God. Bless this offering. Meet our needs. And help us, Lord, to worship you the way you intended us to. Not just as an event once a week, but with all of our lives, with all of our being, just as the scripture says. In Jesus' name, amen.